Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. King James says, and he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Come apart before you come apart. Watch this. Come apart before you fall apart. He, he said, for the, now, here's what, now go back to New Living Translation. I want to show you something. Jesus said, let us, let's go off by ourselves. Everybody say, by ourselves. Yeah, by ourselves. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. You working so much and you so overcommitted, um, you only have time to wash your clothes right. Clean your house. Cook some food. You got a room in your house. That is dedicated to destruction. That room is the room where everything goes when company comes. Because you don't have time to get nothing together. But the gift of God to you is to go to work and enjoy, have the time to enjoy the fruit of your labor. If you're constantly working to make ends meet, the word grind is not in the Bible the way we say it today. God does not send his people on the grind. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, it adds no sorrow with it. The grind is sorrowful. I'm speaking to somebody. Say what they want to about me. You, see my, you follow my Instagram page. You be see me smiling on the beach. For my birthday, I went out on the ocean, bless the Lord. Rented us a, 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 a yacht or whatever that was. And we, myself, Pastor Brian, we, we were out there cruising looking like... Like white chocolate, dark, dark chocolate out of the sun. We were out there. No, I, I didn't care. Someone said, Pastor, you know what? You know, um, some people may get offended. I don't care if you get offended. I'm enjoying the fruit of my labor. I work. See, the messages that I teach you, they don't just show up. I have to labor in the word and in doctrine. And when it's time to rest, guess what? I'm vacating. There is no such thing as a staycation. Let us go off. Let us go off. Let us do what? Go off. go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Tell me you have a staycation. There ain't no staycation. You know, I'm going to tell you what's a good idea. Friends that love each other, you and your best friends, put a pot together. Every month you put in a little bit of money. You have a sign that at the end of, of these, three, these three months, it's your turn to go on vacation. We keep putting money in the pot. Everybody put in the pot. We're going to be checking the books too. In the three months, you go on vacation. In the three months, you see what I'm saying? If good friends could do that, or siblings. But the Bible says for you and for me to enjoy the fruit of our labor, that's one of the gifts of God that we don't even, if you only knew the gift of God, what about this? What about you go to God and you say to God, I, I don't even know how to do a budget, but, but Pastor was teaching and said that, a vacation is a gift? 
What about this? You say to God, you have to help me do this because I want to enjoy that gift. I want to enjoy the fruit of my labor. I dare you to start praying that. You know, it's a shame for a lot, for a lot of people. You're such a workaholic, workaholic that the only time you rest is when your body gets too sick to go back into work because it's telling you it needs to rest and you have to lay up. You spend your rest time. The fruit of your labor is you on your bed, sipping on a straw. You got it? Or, or, or drinking something hot because you're so sick you can't go to work. And time you get ready to uh, get a hole again, you're back on the grind again. That's not the will of God. Everybody said that's not the will of God. Okay. Now, uh, number, I'm staying on this too long. I think I'm, I'm passionate about it. Look at number three is Acts chapter eight, verse fourteen. And I, and if you, how many of you interested in, in making a budget and financial management and all this stuff? Okay, I'm gonna, now I'm gonna tell you this right now. Now I'm gonna tell you, Pastor, love you. But y'all got a reputation for saying you want me to do something. When I do it, you don't come. I'm just saying. So next year, early next year, first quarter, we're going to do a financial management program. It's going to be hands-on. or bring somebody in for you. One of the things they're going to work with you about is raising your credit score. How to set up a, a practical budget. How to apply for loans. They're going to, how many of you want that? Okay, we're going to get it done. When I put it out there, it's going to be a small registration fee just for me to be able to pay the people I bring in. It ain't $5, $5, $10, that's all. You start saving, save a dollar a week. Don't come tell me you got the money. Save a dollar a week. Somebody in here, tell your neighbor what I just said. Tell them, tell them what I just said. Save a dollar a week. I'm going to send people to your house to look for you when you don't show up. Okay, now, look, extra. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. The Bible tells a story of, of, of a, a time, it's called, it's called the diaspora, and um, really what it is, is the dispersion that was caused by the persecution in the early church. I'm saying this because the, the, a revival broke out in Samaria when Philip, the, the deacon, was running from persecution. He shows up in, in the province of Samaria, and there he is, and he's preaching, and a revival broke out. Many people are get, getting saved. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the story as the backdrop to show you a powerful situation that happened. Many times, we don't recognize that when God says, I've given you a gift, he means it's a gift. And there are four things you need to know about when God gives a gift. Because what happens to us many times is that God will give the gift, and, and we think that when God gives me a gift, it's up to me whether I choose to use it or not. I'm going to say something that's going to blow you away. God gets very offended when he gives you a gift and you don't use it. Matter of fact, when you, when you read the book of Revelation... The, the wrath of God is poured out on all of those who rejected Jesus. God gave Jesus as a gift, and they said, ah, we don't need him. And the Bible says God becomes angry because now he has to step out of his, no, his normal person, and he has to destroy these people that he loves, all because they don't want to, to accept the gift from him. Pay close attention to, this, to these scriptures. The Bible says when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there, verse 15. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for the, these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see here that receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is a subsequent act of being born again. Okay, in other words, you could be saved, baptized, and still haven't received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many of you see that in the scripture? 
That's important. Now, look at verse, uh, the Bible says, Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So also we see here that by the laying on of hands of those who are what's called a part of the presbytery, those in leadership, we can lay our hands upon you, and God will honor that and give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given, Simon is the, is the town um, sorcerer. He's the, he's the town, um, he, he really, when you look at this, and I want to point this out, in the Greek, the Bible says that Simon practiced sorcery. In English, it's sorcery, but in the Greek, it's the word pharmakio. What does it sound like? Pharmacy. Yeah, pharmaceuticals. Okay, so if, if, if Simon was a street-peddling pharmacist, what, is he, what do we call him in modern terms? He's a drug dealer. He's a drug dealer. And he was using the drugs just the way, just the way a drug dealer used the sale of crack. He will give you the first hit for free because he knows you're going to get addicted and come back. He was using drugs to, to, to perform sorcery. Watch this. When Simon the sorcerer saw that the spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy their power. Look at verse 19. He says, let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands upon people, they receive the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 20. Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. For thinking that God's gift can be bought. Now, this is important. Here's why. Um, have you ever seen a person operating in a gift and you go, man, I wish I could do that. You ever, you ever see that? Okay. There's something you need to know about these gifts. And, and I may not, may not get time to get, go to it tonight. But you need to understand that when God gives a person a gift, God specifically designs the gift to them. In other words, there's certain gifts that God gives that uh, the, the Bible uses the word, the word severally. That's one of the words. It's, uh, several, it's the word severally is, is King James word. And um, another uh, word, well, the, the word several ability it's the word several and the word severally. And what is the Greek word idios, from which we get our word idiot, which simply means something personal, something individual. Um, God will give gifts to the body of Christ at large. In other words, he'll give the Holy Spirit. He'll give um, the gift of salvation, the gift of whatever. But then he'll give specific gifts. Give a gift to you. And this, here's why he does it. He will give you a gift to start a relationship with you. God will give you a gift so that you could come back to him and say, how does this work? And as a father trained a child, he develops a relationship with you, training you how to work the gift. Simon in this situation is so accustomed of manipulating people and manipulating things that he says to Peter, man. So you mean to tell me you put your hand on people and the Holy Spirit come on there? He said, man, I want that gift. I buy it from you. And Peter says to him, he says, May your money perish with you or be destroyed with you for thinking. Watch this now. That's something that God gave as a gift you could purchase. Ready for this? Take that same mentality and superimpose it upon things like the fruits of your labor and enjoying your work. You can't buy them. Think about this. You need to release your faith for someone to either one, give you a vacation, or two, take you on one. Disclaimer. Everybody say, here comes the disclaimer. 
Because I know, yeah, um, no, no. Do I have to say it? How many of you know where I'm going with this? How many of you don't know where I'm going with this? Okay, this is for that class. Okay, let me get you. Let me help you. Uh, not every offer is a good offer. You got it? So, if you don't go on vacation, ladies, with a guy, even if you're dating him, if, he, if there's not two rooms, praise the Lord. Only half of you clapping? Okay. Verse 21. He says, you have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Verse 22. He said, repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you your evil thoughts. And verse 23. For I can see you are full of bitter jealousy. And I held captive by sin. Let me, let me say this real quickly about gifts. Don't let the gift that God gave to someone else give birth or give rise to jealousy in you. Because what you're saying, I'm going to tell you what's happening. Whenever you look at what God gave to someone else and become jealous, it has to be that you're neglecting and ignoring and even negating the gift that God gave to you. Because God gave gifts to everyone. And if, you, if, you, if you're spending your time being jealous of their gift, then what's happening to yours? You can't, you're not developing your gift if, you, if you're coveting theirs. You got it? I'm going to tell you, this, this is true. A, a friend of mine, um, one of our elders in Montgomery said to me, he made a joke with me when I was going to preach it for Gospel Baptist for the uh, uh, conference. And he said to me, he said, man, when you go, you got to preach, Pastor. You know you got to preach. And so I turned to him. Here's what I said. When have you ever heard me preach? When I, and I was speaking and preaching in the sense of the word as in, as in tuning up and, and bringing the business and, you know, tuning it and calling it and bringing it home. You've never heard me do that. So God is not going to put me on a big platform for me to do something that I don't do. Here's what one of the bishops told me. He said, he called me, they called me later on, you know, I'm, I'm talking with them and, and I'm going to be doing some work with them because I love their organization, I love their leadership there. And, and what the bishop that's in charge of fellowship, here's what he said to me. He said, you know what impresses, the first thing that impresses about you? I said, what? Do tell. Here's what he said. You were not uncomfortable with who you are. I said, what do you mean? He said, you got up there and he said, you made a statement. You said, I don't care if you all receive this or not. I got a job. And I did say it. It just came out of my mouth. I ain't looking for employment. And then I went on, and he said, you want to just teach? He said, you, he said, you weren't trying to impress anybody? And he said, watch this now. And that impressed us. When you try to impress people, pretending to be something and someone else, what you do is you minimize God's judgment in giving you the right gift. God gave you the right gift, but you don't appreciate it, so you're trying to mimic and imitate someone else's gift. Now, nah, my gift is my gift. Listen to me. If you, I'm going to tell you, let me tell you about me, and I hope it blesses you. Look, now, how, how, how important does God see my assignment? Okay? That he built me overseas in a foreign factory, imported me to Miami to experience street life. Um, tricked me into, I mean, uh, ordered my steps into the military for 11 years. You got it? And then transported me to Alabama and made sure I couldn't get out no way I tried. Until I understood this was my assignment. 
So I'm here in Alabama, in, in Lower Alabama, with my island accent, 11 years of military experience, from the street. You got it? I'm telling you right now, God, God tailors you to fit your assignment. So my question to you is, who are you trying to be? I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you, I just heard the Holy Spirit say it's going to blow you away. Hold on for this. Ready for this? You trying to look like somebody else and the man that's looking for you is looking for another person. He's looking for the real you. That's like, that's like, <laughs> you just drop like, like <laughs> drops mic, exit stage. <laughs> he looking for you and you look, you're trying to look like her. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because... You know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to you have to trust that God is like a person. He's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees, Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Let me tell you four things about this. This has not turned out the way I expected it. Okay, so let me give you four things you need to know. When God says something is a gift... It means four things. Number one, and I want you to listen, listen to the language. It means that he has already given it to you. Now, I'm going to tell you, the pastor, where are you getting this from? I, I, I'm getting this right out the scripture. I want to show you three scriptures that's going to help you. Whenever God gives you a gift, Whenever he says something is a gift, he means, number one, he's already given it to you. Genesis 15, and verse. I like that they're ahead of the game. So the Lord God, Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given you this land. I've given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, which is in Iraq. Here's what God says. He says, I've already given you this land. But Abraham, it was a gift to him already. God had already given it to him. But, but he owned none of it. God had given it to him, but he owned none of it. What God does is he'll give you a gift, and then he'll tell you now go possess it. God will say, I've given you the fruit of your labor. Now go make, make the arrangements. 
It's not the will of God for you to, to, to go to work and you can't afford transportation. Whenever you see in the Old Testament that God says, oh, he'll bless your mule. We don't have mules today. We have cars. So the, the blessing of the mule and the horse for them, for us, is the blessing of the automobile. These are gifts from God. There's certain things that God gives you as a gift just for engaging in work. In this situation right here, we see where God says to Abraham, I've already given it to you, but Abraham has never even walked the land yet. Look at Numbers chapter 32, verse 7. Um, why do you want to discourage the rest of the people of Israel from going across to the land the Lord has given them? Look at verse 8. Your ancestors did the same thing when I sent them from Ark. Uh, Kardesh Barnir to explore the land. Verse 9. After they went up to the valley of, es of Eshcol and explored the land, they discouraged the people of Israel from entering the land the Lord was giving them. Look at verse 10. Then the Lord was very angry with them and he vowed. We're not going to go through the rest of it. Now here's what's important from, from that verse I want you to see. There, we see that God had, had given it to them and then we see that God was giving it to them. Which one is true? God had given it to them and God was giving it to them. Let me explain how that works. When God says to you, I've given you a gift. He's saying to you, I've, I've past tense already given it to you. Right? When you accept it and say, God, I receive this vacation from you because it's the fruit of my labor. I receive the ability to live within my means from you. I receive enough money to, to, uh, to clothe and feed myself and my family. I receive, Lord, the, the anointing and, and insight to save something, save for something I've always wanted or for save for something I've wanted to experience. When I start saying to God, I receive those as a gift from you, now God, now God goes about to give me what he's already given me. Make sense? I have to receive it first from him. That's the way it works. And until I, until I, I, I buy into God has given me this, he can't give it to me. Although he's already given it to me. And you say, well, Pastor, it didn't make sense. Let me tell you something. It didn't make sense to me either. And I, I, start, I lived. This was, has been my life. Now, watch this now. Go to um, Numbers 33, verse 53. Numbers 33 and verse 53. Everybody read this out loud. I want you to read it. Ready? Read. Take possession of the land and settle in it. Why? Because I have. God says, watch this. I've already given you the land to, to, uh, to um, occupy and to settle in. He says, here's, but here's the thing. You got to possess it and you got to settle in it. I've already given it to you. I've done my part. Now it's your part. I've made my move. Now it's your move. And most people don't, don't do these things because they don't even know it's available to them. The first move is we're coming up on Christmas. And I don't, I don't know why it's in my spirit. But you have got to do something to reward you. I know you're going to give gifts to everybody. God bless you for that. Give yourself a gift. Okay. How many of you are going to give yourself a gift? Okay. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be expensive. It, it doesn't have to be, listen, do it within your means. I'll just put on my credit card. See, the thing about credit cards is that that payment will come up. Okay, now, so, so, what I got? I got about 10 minutes, 10 minutes to fit. Okay, so number one, 
Recognize that when God says something is a gift, he means, number one, he's given it to you. Number two, he, he, let's watch this. You can't buy it from him. Your, your offering is not, you, is not you buying something from God. God has already given it to you. You can't buy it from him. In other words, your offering is not that you, you give offering to God or tithe to God and God owes you something. No, that's not the way it works. He's Father God, not Godfather. You got it? Number three, watch this now. So number two, you can't buy it. Number three, you can't earn it. You can't earn it. In other words, God didn't give you the gift because you were good. God gave you the gift before you did anything. Gifts aren't earned. Wages are. Number four, when God says something is a gift, he means that he chose you on purpose to receive it. It is his way, of, as I said, of developing a relationship with you. God, everybody said, God chose me. Do you know the giftings that you have? God chose you for it. And here's an interesting fact. It's a factoid. I'm going to ask you and see if you know. What percentage of people in the world can sing good enough to stand on a platform and sing? Okay, let's, let's start the bidding where? How, how many? Come on, be, be unruly. Shout it out. What, what's number? What number? Huh? Let me see by a show of hands. Just do it with your hands. Two, two, one, ten, ten. Three, two, three, ten, three, five, nine, twenty, ten, twenty, thirty, thirty percent, eighty percent to sing well enough to sing on the stage. I'm not talking about shower singing, I'm talking about on the stage. Would it surprise you if I told you that only one percent of the seven billion people in the world can actually sing? But here's a weird, here's a weird fact. Eighty percent of the people in church can sing. 1% of the people in the world can sing. But 80% of the people in the church could sing well enough to stand on the platform with the right coaching and sing a song that will bless everybody. Is that not amazing? Now, I'm going to share something with you about that. But even when you, when you survey the 80%, here's what you'll find. No two people really sing alike. And when you do find two people singing alike, I'm going to say something that's going to blow people away. Someone is imitating someone. And what it means is, watch this now, if I confuse you for the other singer, it means that your gift was unnecessary. It takes boldness to take ownership of the gift that God gives to you. Every gift that God gives to you is intended to change some landscape, impact some life, give someone something they didn't have before. But you have to have courage to, to take ownership of the gift, to possess it, settle into it, and let it become a part of who you are. My personality changed when, my, when I started operating my gift. I used to be the one of the most boring people to be around until I started teaching. When I settled into teaching and understood how the Holy Spirit wanted to work with teaching, I'm kind of fun to be around, if I must say so myself. But... Before then, you don't want to be around me. I didn't talk. I didn't smile. I didn't do nothing. Nothing. I mean nothing. I was just not fun to be around. I had a thing. As a matter of fact, I will tell you, when I first passed, passed my first church, everybody said a long time ago, I was passing in Germany. I used to do this as God is my witness. I would preach the, the morning service, invite the saints. You could come out of the house if you want to. They come out of the house. I'm in my room, and they ain't about to come out. I was so shy and such an introvert that I didn't know how to interact with people or 
just face to face. I could do it from the platform as I was learning my gift, but I can do it. And I say, come by the house. And you have like 50 people show up at the house. I didn't know what to do, so I go to my room. <laughs> so now, as, watch this, as, the, as my gift became, as my, my, my pastoral gift be, began to develop, then I understood how to, quote, unquote, work a room. I realized that you can't give yourself to too, give too much of yourself to any one person. You have, you have 100 people here. And I learned how to, op- my gift, operating my gift taught me who I am. And most of you say, Pastor, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do because you're not asking God, what have you given to me? And one of the worst insults you can say to God is you've given me no gift. One person told me, I'm not gifted at all. So, God, so you're so special that God left your vessel empty? Because you're, you, are, you are so wonderful that God sent you to the earth without any part of him in you? No. Take the time to learn your gift. Now, I got, I got one more and we're done. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. And I'm going to see, can I help you with this? And we'll be, I'll have to save the rest for whenever. Paul is preaching to the church in Corinth about singleness. And he's talking to them in the latter part of this about marriage. He, he says something to them. He says, but I wish everyone were single. <laughs> I wholeheartedly disagree with Paul. I don't know how, I don't know how y'all live single. Well, anyway. I just don't know how y'all do it. This, this, world, this ain't the world I left 30 years ago. Listen. It's a whole different world out there. Okay? I mean, you have to be downright rude. But I wish everyone were single just as I am. But look what he said. But God gives to some the gift of marriage and to others the gift of singleness. But if you don't recognize your singleness as a gift then you treat it like a curse or a burden. Remember, God, if, if it's a gift, God gave it to you. And something beneficial is a good gift. So something beneficial should come out of your time alone. Not, you shouldn't be grieved by it. It shouldn't be a burden to you. Loneliness, should, loneliness is the product of you misunderstanding that your singleness is a gift. You get to go home and close the door and say, I don't want to be bothered. You get to say, I don't feel like cooking today. I'm off today. I bathe this afternoon. Bless the Lord. I can't offend nobody but me. I'm just saying. Watch this. How many of you see what I'm saying? What I'm saying is you see it wrong. Your whole heart about it is wrong. You've seen the whole thing. I just can't wait till I find somebody. Oh, God, I can't do this. I just don't know how people. You make all kinds of weird provisions. That God never intended because you don't see your singleness as a gift. Matter of fact, give me King James because I want to show you how Paul really st- stated in Elizabethan. He says, for I would that all men were even as I myself, as I myself, but every man hath his, everybody, everyone say those two words, every man has his what? Shout it out again, has his what? His proper gift of God, one after this manner and the other after that. The, the, pro- the term proper gift is the word, uh, uh, what is it? It's um, 
idios uh, charisma, is that what it is? Idios charisma, yes. It's, it's an undeserved gift given freely to God, or by God rather, to an individual to empower that man or that woman to live and to work for him effectively in a certain condition. I'm going to say it again. What, what an idios charisma is, is an undeserved gift given freely by God to an individual to empower him or her to live and work for God effectively in a certain condition. So if you, if, if you receive, give me New Living Translation, so if you, if you receive the gift of singleness, literally, according to the word charisma, the, the, uh, the effect of the undeserved gift, literally, you are anointed to be single. It's a gift. Everybody shout, it's a gift. It wouldn't be a shame, listen to this, if you got married and missed the purpose of the gift of, your, of singleness. Why did God give you that gift? What did you benefit from it? From it? Did you ever possess it and settle into it? Did you ever make use of it? Did it ever benefit you in any way? If not, ready for this? I can't see him giving you the gift of marriage that requires a whole person to connect with another whole person that the two may become one. That's the miracle. The miracle of marriage is that two became one. You say, I want to meet my other half. A half plus a half is not a miracle, it's math. A half plus a half is math. All day long. Get one half, add it to one half, it equals one. But when you take one hole and add it to another hole and get one person, that's a miracle. The two became one. Why? Because, and when it works, when it works is, you say, well, after pastor, I think it's about chemistry more than anything else. I agree, it's chemistry. But the compounds that go in have to be two people that understood the gift of their singleness, maximized it so that God can make of them and show them who they are. And then, listen, I'm going to tell you what, I love something that this generation says. They say real recognizes real. I like that statement. Not always true, but I like it. I'll say this. A whole person always recognizes a whole person. But what's weird is a fragmented person never recognizes another fragmented person. And the last thing in the world you want is to have your car on the side of the road and go to the other car on the side of the road and try to get a jump. Both of y'all broke down. And the church just said, and I think I need to quit while I'm ahead. I'm done. I'm just... We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Art Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.